title of today's message is, Are You Wearing Your Armor? Are You Wearing Your Armor? Anybody in here ever been a soldier? Any, any soldiers in here? Uh, any Christians in here? Well, if you're a, so, a Christian, what, you're a soldier, what, in the army of the living God. You're a soldier in the army of the living God. And in Philippians 2.25, Paul tells us this, uh, says, And I consider it necessary to send to you and provide us uh, my brother, fellow worker, and what? Oh, soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. And I believe a part of the problem in church overall today, the lack of effective is not viewing ourselves in this way. Uh, we're not called what? To a life of ease. We're called to a battle. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, <clears throat> against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, for, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel of which I'm ambassador and change, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now last week we started talking about the warfare that we are in as Christians. It's real. It's a real warfare, and it's really, really hard. Yet, this battle it can be over, easy to kind of overlook it at times. Now, why is that? If it's so hard, how can you overlook it? Because what? We can't see it. It's in the spiritual realm. Ephesians 6, 12 tells us what? Ephesians 6, 12 says what? It's not against principalities. It's not against flesh and blood, but against principalities in high places. It's in the spiritual realm this battle takes place. And... Uh, in the passage on spiritual warfare, we soldiers are called to what? We're called to stand. We're called to stand. Four times you'll see in this passage to stand. And when the Bible points to, what, when you repeat something, amen, that means pay. You're paying attention to what? All of Scripture. Amen. You need to pay attention to all of Scripture closely. But really, when it does, it repeats it. Man, you really be pay a close attention to that. And it repeats it what? Four times. What? To stand. So I guess we better stand. Amen. Four times to tell us that we need to stand. Don't get shook up when the battle happens. Don't get all shook up when it gets intense. Don't get scared and be what? That fear take over. Instead, stand. I always remember the fight between, uh, I used to like to watch boxing some years ago, and uh, Mike Tyson at his peak, man, he was tough. And I remember Michael Spinks, who I liked, I liked him as a boxer, and, and he fought him. And Michael Spinks had been a champion as well. And, and you could tell when they met at the center of the wing before they started to fight, Michael Spinks had already lost the fight. <laughs> he was scared to death. He was scared. Before the first round was over, he was out. He was out. He was scared too. He lost it beforehand. And uh, now, shouldn't though, somebody say, shouldn't we fear 
fear this powerful foe that we have? Well, praise God, we don't have to. Why? Because greater in he who's in us than he that is in the world. First John 4, 4 tells us this. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. First John 5, 18 says, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. Don't be surprised when the battle gets intense. Don't give in to self-pity when things start going wrong. When things get really, really difficult. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, great preacher of the last generation, said feeling for, uh, self-pity is one of the greatest sins. He says self-pity is one of the greatest sins. Feeling sorry for yourself. Then when you do that, when you're doubting God's goodness to you, you get discouraged, you lose your energy and use your will to fight. And instead you want to give up instead of what? Standing, standing firm. Instead, realize the battle will definitely occur and respond to this call to stand. We need to respond to this call to stand. We're called to stand our ground in the battle we are in with Satan and his forces. So do what? Stand. Stand. A soldier on watch at his post stands. If he gets tired and leans against a, maybe a wall or something, I've heard that they can kind of start you know, going to sleep. You start kind of, and what? The enemy can gain access when you do that. So you need to Stand. First Peter 5, 8 tells us this. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I believe the best way not to fall asleep is to what? Stand. Amen? Stand. I know at times uh, when I, I, I plan, and part of it's just reading, and I, I kind of lay down reading, and, and all of a sudden, you know what? I may wake up half hour later. You know, because of what? I lay down. And if I really have to what? I, I've had times where I have to get something done and I'm so tired. What do I do? I will stand up. And I've never fallen asleep standing up. Amen? I would have hurt myself if I did. Didn't have to worry about it. Once I really, truly just stood. Didn't have to worry about sleeping. Now, the resources that God has provided for us to use to be able to stand is the armor of God. It's the armor of God that enables us to stand. God gives us. It's a divine armor but we've got to put it on amen we've got to put this armor on imagine somebody goes to the doctor and the doctor says and has a health issue says doc i need help and and the doctor gives him some medicine and so the man goes home and and he and he and he doesn't take the medicine and he comes back weeks later and said doc i'm upset with you i came to see you and i'm not better and the doctor said well did you take the medicine he says no no but he's still mad at the doctor. Wouldn't that be stupid? If he didn't take the medicine, and then still be mad at the doctor. Let me tell you, a lot of times we get upset at God because things aren't going well. We're suffering defeat. But let me tell you, have you asked it? Have you put on the armor? Amen? He's told you to put on the armor. So don't get upset at him if you're experiencing defeat when you hadn't put on the armor. And a lot of times people in the church are not putting on the armor that he has given us, that divine armor from God himself. You know, it's a great thing to come to church to hear about the armor of God so we can have victory over Satan and his forces. But again, if you don't put it on, don't blame God when he experienced defeat. Now, some of when you're reading this passage, we'll stop in verse 10. It says, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. And someone says, that's all you need. But Paul says, no, you need to also what? Put on the armor. Make sure you put on the armor. And he repeats it to emphasize it as well. You may have had a powerful experience with the Holy Spirit of God. And let me tell you, that can be awesome to really experience his presence. But let me tell you, 
What can happen sometimes when you do it, man, you feel so strong, so uplifted. You can start to depend on what? That instead of what? Making sure you put on the armor of God. Think about Paul. You're talking about an experience. What did Paul get an experience? He got to go experience heaven. Amen? He got to experience heaven. And what did God do? What? A thorn in the flesh came. The devil came and allowed a thorn in the flesh to come into Paul that just, man, just really, really messed with him, but it made him humble. So he wouldn't trust what in his experience, get prideful and so forth, but instead he would trust in God. You know, uh, Paul was uh, in prison at this time and was often looking at Roman soldiers. So it made sense. Uh, God would have him use what they wore in times of warfare. But it was also wise for Paul to use the armor a Roman soldier would wear because people, the Roman Empire ruled pretty much much in the known world at that time. So they were seeing these Roman soldiers. So when they see them, what? Wow, am I wearing the armor Paul talked about? Because they see these pieces of armor. It could, what, help them to really think about whether they're wearing it or not. Now, most importantly, Paul is pointing it to Isaiah 59. We won't turn there, but it points to, in that chapter in Isaiah, to our mighty God as a divine warrior himself. And with his breastplate being one of righteousness, it says, with truth girded around his waist and with salvation as a helmet. And that same armor that our, our warrior Lord is now given to us because of what Jesus has done for us. You know, at times the United States and will give weapons of warfare to other nations that aren't as strong, that are not as proper experience and difficulties. But it's usually probably not always the best of our weapons. Sometimes it might be what? Imagine a hand-me-down, you know, that type of thing. Whereas, you know, we, it's still usable, it still works, but we've got better equipment now. We'll just give you that. It's not like that with us with our armor, amen? This is divine armor from God himself that God would wear. He's given it to us to be able to wear. And that is absolutely amazing. Now, again, it's always when you're looking at Scripture, it's important to look at every word, every word, and uh, closely. Now, as you put on these pieces of armor, uh, it's interesting, they're divided into two groups, three pieces in each group. And the first three are introduced by the word having, having these on. The second group are introduced by the words to take, to take. Why the difference? Why the difference? Well, the first three pieces introduced by having are pieces what are to always have on. You're to always have these pieces on. But the ones introduced by to take are to be used as on an as-needed basis. Now, give an example. Let's say you go to a baseball game or a softball game. And so you're sitting there watching the game, and you see all the players, in terms of uniforms, do they take that on and off during the game? They wear the uniform the whole time. Amen? They wear it the whole time. But do they take the gloves up when they're going to bat? Do they take their gloves up there to do that? No, only when they're out in the field. Amen? They don't go out in the field, they don't take their bat either, amen? They leave the bat, they take their glove there. They're for what? The situation you find yourself in. And the soldier on the battlefield would always wear his belt, his breastplate, and his shoes. But his shield and his helmet and his sword were kept ready for when the actual battle would begin. You know, the main concern for us it says to be able to stand on that evil day when it comes, when the evil day comes. Now, we're always in a war zone, amen? If you're, you're saying, we're always in a war zone, especially as a Christian. So what is this evil day 
Scripture is talking about, Paul is talking about. What is this evil day? Now, some scholars would say, well, it points to what? When, uh, right before Jesus comes back, you're going to have a, I mean, a very evil time, the Antichrist and all that. That's that evil day, persecuting Christians, you know, believers and stuff like that. That's that evil day. You'll be able to stand. You know, and I believe that's true. But I believe it also can be this as well. Is when the enemy sees an opening maybe in your life. And, then, and let me tell you, folks, again, he and his forces study you. I hope you understand that. They study you. They can see what's up. They know what works with you. And they'll strategize to bring you down, to bring destruction in your life, to hurt you. They strategize. And so they're strategizing, and all of a sudden it's time. They start, and then they will, boom. And that's when, the, man, the attack really comes. And that's when you need to, boy, be ready to stand. Stand your ground and keep standing. Just give you some minor examples of how this can happen. You know, we used to go door-to-door -door witnessing here many years ago and did it for 15 years. Went to really, I think, thousands, a couple thousand homes through the years. And uh, essentially, the devil didn't like that. Can you believe that? He, he didn't like that. And, and we would go out and manage some strange things would happen. Uh, I remember one time we were going out and it was just, it was for over a few periods, a few weeks. Found out this guy was kind of stalking us a little bit. And uh, it would go out witnessing my team. And so we were going out and, and I noticed in this, uh, he was watching us, whatever, you can watch whatever he wants. And, and, and got a little aggressive on the way back in terms of driving, not, not anything really bad. And I don't remember if it was that night or the next week I came out and the air was let out on one of my tires. And then it was peeping in the window one time. The ladies were going crazy, you know. I ah, go out and, you know, as I remember, he's then gone. Finally, I went to see the guy and settled matters, and he stopped coming by and doing things. And I won't get into what the reasoning was, but that caused some issues. One time, two of our, one of our teams, they called the cops on them. And, and it said, it said what did they do wrong? Nothing. <laughs> they knocked on the door, and they called the cops on them. Now, it was Clyde and, and Larry, so maybe just the appearance of those two guys Maybe that was it. So we didn't let them go out together anymore. No, we did. And, uh, but also, I'll tell you, one night we went out, and we had some uh, uh, two people. One, actually, man, they had a meltdown. Two of the people that went out had meltdowns. I mean, over nothing. Nothing. And I'm sitting there. One wouldn't go out. I just got all upset and just decided not to go. Okay, whatever. And, going. and then one that went on my team went out. And, and lo and behold, that, that night, we went to an area we've never been before, and I don't think we ever went back to that area. And it's way on, well on out. I won't say where it was at. But uh, we went, and we couldn't find the place out in the country. And uh, lo and behold, this little boy answered the door, and he had this knife in his hand. I was like, hmm, this is not good. <laughs> and so, uh, so Doris, she didn't like that at all. Finally, she got him to go get his mom and things, you know, okay, and, and went down. And then, we, then when we went to this other place, then this other person on our team, she had a meltdown over nothing. She only, and just a meltdown because there was a doll, but it was no, no, no threat or anything. She just had a meltdown. And what was going on there, I won't get into that, but it was strange. It was just really some strange stuff, really some strange stuff that would go on when we would go out for times. But, you know, that's still pretty minor. That's still pretty minor in the whole scheme of things. But, you know, it's when the, the, the evil forces really step up their attack. Maybe trying to destroy your ministry. Maybe trying to destroy your ministry. Maybe having people attack you, slander your name, trying to hurt your name. I've had that happen as a pastor, definitely. Uh, maybe trying to destroy, again, your witness. Maybe, maybe in terms of, of, of some just temptation, just all of a sudden much stronger than it's been in the past. There's this temptation that is coming over you. 
Maybe you're trying to destroy your marriage, your family. Are you ready for that day? Are you ready for that day? Are you prepared for that day when it hits? Because let me tell you, if you try to start to prepare right when it hits, uh-uh. You need to be prepared beforehand. I always remember a guy over at the Change Lives Ministries many years ago. Man, you talk about an example of what God can do in a life. It was absolutely, you know, these guys that go into Change Lives Ministries and now women as well, uh, they, they would be, you know, some of them living out in the woods on drugs, alcohol, and, and, and they come in. They were at the lowest point. So they come in there, and this guy came in, and, man, he just got on fire for the Lord and, uh, and started, what a, you know, a before and after picture. Man, he just started following the Lord, and the Lord started blessing him. I met a young lady in church that they would go to, the Change Lives Ministries, and, and got on leadership there, and they got married and started having kids, got a home. All these, over the years, just amazing, amazing what happened. And, and I remember talking to a pastor that's really heavily involved with in that ministry, and he kept praising. Man, it's just, man, you're talking about somebody he was so impressed with. And lo and behold, after a number of years, what happened? Found out he started doing some drugs again. Started doing some drugs again. And let me tell you, what had happened, just tragic. Lost what? His home, his wife, his family, and started doing rehab. And last I heard, I hadn't heard any good things about in the last, this has been years and years now. And he started thinking, well, what happened? And I agree, he's held accountable for that. I understand that 100%. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you, with how God was using him in a mighty way, helping other guys get off drugs and alcohol and seeing a lot of success from that, He's going to target him. Amen? And guess what? Some way he wasn't prepared. In some way he wasn't prepared for that attack, that onslaught that would come upon him. Now, I want to ask you today, do you have your armor on? Where does this listing of required armor start? It starts with the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Not the most noticeable piece of armor by any means, but it was first on the list for a reason. It's first on the list for a reason. And uh, it was a leather belt and held the sword, and, but it was also to help with a tunic, this long cloth linen robe and uh, long cloth robe and uh, it's kind of an undergarment type things. And, and what you'd have is the belt, they could tuck it up under and not and, and hinder you when you're in battle or, or marching and things like that. So it was very, very important. It's kind of like if you didn't have a, a pants that uh, fit, and you didn't have a belt on, what would happen? You have to keep walking around like that. It'd be hard to be, hold your shield and a, you know, and, and a sword at the same time, kind of similar to that. So it's extremely important. And uh, for the Christian soldier, let me tell you, it all starts what? With the belt of truth, making sure we have on that belt of truth. If you want to have any chance, any chance of standing against our enemy, you have to be someone committed to God's truth. Where's his truth? Right here, the word of Almighty God. It means you'll know the truth. You'll know the word. You'll master the word. You'll get this. You'll be mastered by the truth. We're to be held by the truth, living according to the truth, holding to it, standing for biblical truth, even with those around you, even if family members get upset because you're taking that stand. Let me tell you, the world don't like it, doesn't like it when you take this biblical stand and people will come against you when you take this stand, but you're going to do it anyway. You're standing on the truth. It's all about God's truth. The devil's always out to confuse us, to lead us astray from the truth of God's word. Always try to bring the teaching of the world into the church. Let me tell you, 
I always remember a, a good buddy of mine down around the Canton area, a pastor, and he works with Marketplace Ministries, uh, was at the time. And he, uh, he said, John, he had to go to a lot of funerals because he was ministering to the people there at that, at that big industry. And he said, John, you'd be amazed. Be amazed. How many funerals I go to? The pastor is preaching good works theology, that good works get you to heaven. He said, you would be absolutely amazed at it. And that's what, that's the what Satan getting in false teaching in the church. Teachings what? There's other teachings that people are basically good. You'll hear that. You'll hear that. Teachings that most everybody goes to heaven. That's kind of like the default setting. Every funeral I've been to, there's people there that think they're in heaven. No matter what they've done, no matter who they, you know, no matter if they follow the Lord at all, anything. It's like, they're oh, they're in a better place. Well, not a thing ain't saved, amen? Not a thing ain't saved. Sad. But they think that's the default setting so many in heaven. You know, uh, I was doing a funeral here a week or two ago, and, uh, and, and a lady, uh, a young, uh, probably in her 30s or 40s, and her grandmama died, and uh, she was, the, she did a, she just wanted to give a testimony, a very nice testimony, and it said some wonderful things. However, uh, it had some not so good theology in it, you know, talks that basically everybody was going to heaven, and uh, it didn't say that exactly, but that's what it alluded to if you listen, and uh, well, I didn't, of course, call her out, we're going to call her out at the funeral, but in the funeral message, amen, <laughs> made sure that I say that anyway, you know, Jesus says what? Narrow is the road, small the gate, narrow is the road that leads to life of what? Only a few find it. Only a few find it. But I tell you, that kind of stuff seeps into the people in the church, believing these types of things that are not according to the word of God. You know, the LGBTQ movement, uh, same-sex marriage, okay, if you stand against that these days, man, people attack you, but they will come against you. We're just hearing about Tony Dungy, uh, reading about Tony Dungy, you know, he's a man, just a man of God, you know, really popular, but now they're coming at him because, what, he, he takes stance on the biblical values, amen, and he's against same-sex marriage, and so, they, man, they're coming against him big time, it's starting to, and, uh, and you'll see that more and more, and, uh, and, and let me tell you, uh, it just goes on and on. Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, you know, dedicated people. They put us to shame in terms of their hard work. I'm sure nice but Mormons I've met, nice people, amen. But that doesn't mean their theology is true, amen. It's a dangerous, dangerous theology. And it's fascinating what they'll do is they'll come and, and you come, they'll come to your door and you sit there, well, now, pastor, they might kind of, even though they're, 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 they'll keep coming back, even though they know I'm a pastor. I said, amen, come on in, <laughs> we'll talk. And, but it's fascinating. You know, people say, well, I'm in a church, it's so down, down the road. And okay, but that doesn't deter them. I mean, they're, they're man, assertive. My daughter, she, uh, she goes to church in her area in Somerville. And, uh, and so they started coming to her house because she had moved in there. And they, I guess they see who moves in and then they, they started coming. And she says, you know, well, and she's nice to them, but yeah, I do have a church home and this and that. And they go, did that stop them? No. <laughs> no. She's had a hard time getting rid of But why are they so persistent? Why are they so persistent? Well, one of the reasons is they've seen success. They've seen success. They really have. Because a lot of people in church really don't know the truth, don't have the belt of truth on like they should have. And they're able to sway them according to their teachings. And also remember, if you're not a member here, or if you ever leave for some reason, maybe to go to another place or whatever, another move or whatever, always make sure you go where the pastor teaches the word of God. Amen. Always make sure you go where the pastor teaches the word of God. Not where they preach about a certain topic and maybe throw in a verse or two. Amen. 
uh, but they, they really preach the word of God. Not that you can't preach a topical sermon. I'm not saying that. But if that's all they ever do and they're just throwing a verse or two here or there, and very, you know, be careful on that. Be careful. That. Get somebody who preaches the whole counsel of God. And then Paul, in discussing this matter, says in Ephesians 4.14, says this. It says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, of deceitful plotting. You know, uh, you know it just so happened to pick up a magazine yesterday and uh, somebody, my sister-in-law, she'll give me the Decision magazine. She drops it by. And I just happened to pick it up yesterday and it just so happens it fit in with our message. And it says, what's wrong with America's pulpits today? And, uh, and get this, it says 30% of evangelical pastors, not just pastors, evangelical pastors believe in works-based salvation. Isn't that amazing? 30% believe in works-based salvation. Uh, it says only 62% agree that human life is sacred. Of evangelical pastors, only 62% think it's human life is sacred when we're created in the image of God. Also, 37% said that having faith matters more than which faith you have. That's absolutely absurd. Isn't that absolutely absurd? Now, this is the Serious Magazine. Amen. Very trustworthy from Billy Graham Association. But it's absolutely amazing how the devil gets in there. Now, the Bible is to be what? Your only authority. That's to be your only authority. Now, you heard a lot during the pandemic. What? I trust the science. I trust the science. That's the authority. Now, science is a great gift of God. Amen. It is a great. I would not be here today without medical technology and medicine that they've come up with for certain things. I would not be alive today without that. Amen. I'm very appreciative of science and being an engineer, past engineer. Amen. I appreciate science without a shadow of a doubt. It's a wonderful gift, a wonderful gift. However, if you looked at science, what established science was 100 years ago, and look at what it was then and what it is now. Is there any difference? Amen. <laughs> a lot of difference. It's got 100 years later from now. And then look back what we believe totally in science. Will there be some changes? Amen. As we have more knowledge, what science, what changes? Science does change. There's one thing that doesn't change. Amen. That's the word of almighty God. That's the one thing that does not change. You know, uh, the authority many people look to as well. Some maybe look to science. Some look to just their own human reasoning. They think their own human reasoning. Uh, but people's knowledge, no matter how intelligent they may be, is so, so limited. So limited. Uh, people don't know all the parameters. When you're trying to solve a situation, they, they don't know all the parameters and all that. You know, just take get an example. A Christian psychiatrist, uh, a non-Christian, a non-Christian psychiatrist. And let's say somebody goes to them. And they, what they do, they'll talk to them, they'll give them medicine. But if they're non-Christian, there's one area they won't look at, and that's spiritual warfare. And what if there's some demonic activity going on? And that does happen in people. There are still people possessed and so forth. And what about, what will they do? They won't even look at that, amen? Even with all their knowledge, they're not going to be able to look because they're not even looking at that particular parameter in bringing them the help that they need. Only God knows all, and he offers his wisdom to his people. We see that our human reasoning goes, man, bankrupt, such as philosophies of Karl Marx, the atheistic communism, with so many tens of millions of lives being destroyed because of this human reasoning in the last hundred plus years. 
Also, human reasoning can be so lacking because of the sin nature of man. Sin blinds people to the truth. And many in church rely on human reasoning. And let me tell you, it leads to mess. A lot of people in the church. Yeah, I know the, the Bible says this, and they go, what? But, I see this, you know, and they'll start continuing to rely on human reasoning. I remember visiting a, a, a young lady one day, and she had her child there. And, uh, and she was, uh, we were talking, and this, this child was a cute child, but a nightmare. I mean, an absolute nightmare. And I'm sitting there going, gee, my daddy's. Anything she told her to do, told her to do, the little, little girl to do, didn't pay her attention at all. I mean, at all. And it hit on her. I mean, it's just like, gee, Manetti's. And we, so we, we started talking about discipline. <laughs> now, I don't think that I started teaching, you know, preaching on discipline, but I started talking about discipline with her. And, and lo and behold, she says, yeah, I know the Bible says this, but, but she didn't believe in that particular thing in terms of what the Bible says about discipline. And, and, uh, and I was sitting there, look at the mess. I mean, I didn't feel, I wanted out of there. <laughs> it was a mess. Either let me take charge or let me out of here. It was an absolute mess because what? She was depending on her human reasoning instead of what? God's word. Let me tell you, a lot of times people today are relying on their feelings. That's their authority. Their feelings is their authority. Uh, but you talk about unreliable. My goodness gracious, are feelings unreliable? Amen. Man, you can be up one day, down the next day. You can be all over the place. But it's huge today, this feeling thing, this feeling thing. You are what you feel you are. You are what you feel you are. I've heard from a number of sources that I consider reliable. I have not read it myself. But they are now placing in uh, certain schools and different things litter boxes uh, for children who think they are kittens. You know, and you're sitting there, but I mean, that's where it goes. I mean, because, you know, we're doing that, all these other things with the LGBTQ movement and all that side of stuff. That, that's where you go. If that's what you really believe, you are what you feel you are. That's where it leads. That's absolutely where it leads. So, and that's what the devil loves. And the devil puts things in people's minds and you start feeling a certain way because of what, you know, that tack goes on in the mind. Man, you go all over the place and it's going to get even more absurd than that. <laughs> It'll get even more absurd than that down the road. Now, also be careful. Just be careful about leaning on your own understanding. Be careful about that, on how you feel, your own perspective, what makes sense to you. Say, I know this, but everybody's got all these different opinions. Where do you go? You go to the word of God. Instead, look to the objective word of God. And get this, even if an angel were to appear to you, and tell you something, but it went against the word of God, what are you to do? It tells us in Galatians 1.8. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. So truth is so, so vital to be free, to be free from the bondage of sin. You say, yeah, pastor, the truth will set you free. However, however, did you know, actually, it's not truth that sets you free? It's not truth that sets you free. They say, so wait a minute, Pastor. Hold on a minute. John 8, 32 says this. And you shall know the truth and what? The truth shall make you free. Well, did you get the first part? It's when you what? Know the truth. That's when you're set free. Amen? You can have the truth, but if you don't know it, does that mean you're going to be set free? Not necessarily. Uh-uh. The emancipation, emancipation, uh, Emancipation Proclamation in 1863 set slaves free 
Abraham Lincoln signed it. It was done. Down in Texas, down in Texas, guess what? Slaves didn't find out for over a year. So even though the truth was they were free, they lived in bondage for over a year because they didn't know the truth. Amen? The truth, amen, definitely they were free. They sure didn't experience that freedom because they didn't know the truth. Y'all get it? They didn't know the truth. Praise God, we have the truth. Amen? We have the truth right here. But do you know it? Do you know the truth? Do you really know the truth? Are you regularly, regularly reading through the word of God? How do you know it if you don't read it? Amen? It's kind of a no-brainer. How do you really know it if you're not reading it? And let me tell you, devotions can be a good thing. A good thing. Y'all got that? Devotions can be a good thing. But don't let it substitute for regularly reading through the word of God. Do it in addition to. Do it in addition to. It's imperative that we know the truth. Because our enemy is a liar. The father of lies. He attacks with lies. He loves to use deception. And the only way to battle that is through the truth. Amen? It's the only way to battle that is through the truth. And where's the truth? The truth is right here. But if you don't know it, ain't going to do you a lot of good. Amen? Until you know it. Two of the best soldiers in God's army over the history has been Martin Luther and John Wesley. Man, two great soldiers in the army of God. I mean, more than they cause the devil headaches. <laughs> no ifs, ands, or buts. Man, with the Protestant Reformation with Martin Luther and John Wesley, with the revivals that he was in, man, just amazing. How, helped transform England and, and came over to America as well. Just absolutely amazing how God used them and how it caused the devil so much issues. You say, well, what about them in the belt of truth? They were so successful. What, what about them in the belt of truth? Well, guess what? Martin Luther knew, memorized the whole Bible in Latin. He had the whole Bible memorized in Latin. John Wesley had what? The Greek Testament, the whole Greek Testament memorized himself. Two great warriors. Isn't it interesting? Also what? Man who knew the word. <laughs> you talk about, remember, I don't know how they did that. You know, I, memorized, I memorized the book of the Bible, Ephesians, and I have to keep re-memorizing, amen? I, you know, I, you know, like, I don't know how they did that, but praise God. But look how God used them when they knew the word, when they really knew the truth, how God able to use them in a mighty, mighty way. Along with knowing the truth and embracing the truth, believers are to speak the truth, Live the truth. Live lives of integrity in the, in the big things and the small things. Oh, how the devil will get you to compromise on the small things. Well, I know I did this, but it wasn't a big deal. I know I didn't say the truth here, but it's only a little white lie. Oh, the devil loves that. He loves that. Because let me tell you, if he'll get you what? To lie in the small things, he's training you what? To lie in every other thing. And so let me tell you, if you don't lie over something small, you think when it's really going to cost you, all of a sudden you're going to tell the truth. Uh-uh, you're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. And when you don't love lives of integrity, your lives will come apart. Truth holds it together. Believers are to live lives consistent with the gospel. In Ephesians chapter 4, we were told to put on the new self. And then Paul tells us we put on the new self, Ephesians 4.25. Therefore, what, what? Putting away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We're to be like who? 
Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And it says in John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I'm the what? I'm the way and the what? The truth and the life. No one comes of the Father except through me. He who is truth, if you're saved today, he dwells on the inside of you. And we're to be like him. And when we lie, we're being like instead. The devil, you're being like the devil who is the father of lies. Let me tell you, you don't beat the devil his own game, lies and deceptions. The only way to beat him is what? Through the truth. He cannot stand against the truth. You know, I've seen through the years a number of professing Christians be very casual when it comes to being telling the truth or lying. They, they get, seem to be very casual with it. And, uh, and that kind of thinking, let me tell you again, if you think, well, I only lie about the small thing. That, again, that's of the devil. But I heard an interesting statement while, while studying. It says this, it, it is more carelessness about truth than from intentional lying that there is so much falsehood in the world. I'll say that one more time. It's more carelessness about truth than from intentional lying that there's so much falsehood in the world. A truthful person is not an accident. It is premeditated. In other words, you need to focus. You need to be careful that you're always telling the truth. Premeditate. You need to plan before that I'm always going to tell. And when you start going down the wrong route and you're not telling the truth, what? Correct yourself right away. Correct yourself right away. We need to be very careful that we're always, always telling the truth. The overcoming life, the victorious life, is to be one of absolute integrity. Absolute integrity. The first piece of armor mentioned in the armor we're to wear is what? The belt of truth. And it's there for a reason. It's listed first for a reason. Folks, we don't have a chance at victory without it. We don't have a chance at victory without it. And the question is today, are you wearing it? Are you wearing it? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Are you really wearing the belt of truth? Are you really seeking to know the truth, God's word, by regularly being in it? regularly going through it, seeking to know it and apply it to your life? Are you really dedicated to that? If not, will you repent of that today? Say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I need to put on the belt of truth. It means I need to know your word. Lord, help me. Help me to do that. Well, I pray the help. Uh, maybe, maybe, you know, we, we started a thing here where, you know, reading through the, the Bible in a year. Uh, Lord, uh, maybe people could start that. We have it in our newsletter and, and every month and just a plan to do that. And they could do their own plan. But Lord, just help people start to commit themselves to regularly start going through the word of God. If it takes two years, amen. It's okay. Lord, help us to realize it only takes about 20 minutes a day and we'll be through the Bible in a year. But Lord, help us, help us to realize we need to know the word. We need to know the truth and then we'll be set free. To live a kind of life, oh, a life of victory, a life that brings glory to you like you've deserved. Are you standing on the truth of God's word? 
Even when you're getting pressure, pressure from the world around you to conform to their views, or you're holding firm, standing on God's word, holding to biblical values, even when they maybe make fun of you, call you names, get upset with you, are you still holding true, standing on God's word? Are you being very, very careful in being a truth teller? Always telling the truth. Being very careful in always telling the truth. Are you being careless at times? Or maybe even at times being intentional to save yourself what you'd be, would be some pain. If you've been careless in any way, will you not ask forgiveness from the Lord right now? Say, Lord, forgive me. Oh, Lord, forgive me. I'm to be like you, and you are the truth. Lord, I just pray you help us to sink in when we start being careless with the truth, when we start to lie, we're being more like the devil than we are being like you. Oh, Lord, help us to realize that. Help us to be extremely careful as Christians in telling the truth. But today I want you to realize you can't put on God's armor if you're not part of God's army. I want to ask you today, are you a soldier in the army of the living God? In other words, are you truly saved? You know, and I tell you today, if you're not a soldier in the army of the living God, you're in essence on the enemy's side. You've aligned yourself with Satan in rebellion against God. And today you have an opportunity to change sides. And no matter you say, well, I sure I ain't in the devil's army. I may not be in God's army, but I'm sure not in the devil's army. Well, you may not realize it, but you are. But you do have that wonderful opportunity to change sides today and become part of the army of God. And not only become a part of the army of God, you become a child of the living God, a new creation in Christ Jesus, where God himself comes to dwell on the inside of you. We can experience joy and peace and love like you didn't know existed. If you've never truly, truly become part of God's army, part, part of God's family, will you not do that today? So pastor, how do you do that? But trusting in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, understanding that you're a sinner, and that you need a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus. That you couldn't save yourself. Heaven is a perfect place. You can't make it to heaven on your own. No way you could. You'd have to be absolutely perfect. And you're not. And if you think you are, you're eating up with pride, the sin of pride. And realize instead that you need a Savior. And realize that the only one that could be that Savior is Jesus Christ. Because he had no sin to pay for. Fully God, fully man. That he left the glory of heaven and lived a sinless, perfect life that he could, what? Pay for our sins for us. Understand that God's a righteous God, a righteous judge, and he can't overlook sin. There had to be payment. And out of love, he had the only one that could pay those sins, Jesus Christ, his son, who willingly came and died in our place on that cross at Calvary. The wages for sin is death. He came to die so that we who deserve eternal death could have life instead. And if we'll turn from trusting in ourselves that somehow <clears throat> we could somehow make it to heaven based on maybe our good works or whatever it may be trusting in, and turn from trusting in that and turn and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone, that He did it all for you on that cross at Calvary.
And you know if you did it with your heart, instead of your head, if you really start to follow him, if you'll do that today, turn from your sin and really start to follow Jesus, trusting in him and him alone for your salvation. Praise God. You'll be a part of the army of God. You'll be a child of God. And know if you were to die today, that you'd be in glory. If you've never done that, maybe you're not sure if you've done that. We're well, not right now. Just quietly where you're at. Call out to the Lord. Say, oh, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. And I believe that Savior is you. I believe you died on that cross for me personally. I believe you rose again. I'm asking you. In fact, I'm trusting you, Lord, to save me from my sin, to forgive me of my sin, and to save me. Lord, come into my heart. Make me the person you'd have me to be. Lord, thank you if anybody did that in a minute with their heart. They passed from death to life. They are now a soldier in the army of the living God, a child of the living God. And Lord, we thank you and praise you. Just pray your blessings upon him. And Father, we just pray for the rest of us again that we would follow through with putting on our armor, starting with the belt of truth. Lord, help us to really focus on that in the coming days and weeks ahead. And Lord, help us to be here Sunday after Sunday coming up until we go through all the different pieces of the armor to make sure we're putting these on. Because Lord, help us to realize deep within that's the only way we're going to have victory in this warfare that we are in. Whether we want to be in it or not, we're in it. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.